The greatest among you shall be a servant. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For whoever shall save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning, and we are continuing in a series we began last week called The Upside Down Kingdom, and uh, this is week two of that. Last week, we talked about how it was kind of an upside down concept of the kingdom of God, that the greatest among you will be your servant, not your leader, not your king, but your servant. And we uh, studied last week from the scriptures on how we are called to serve one another. And today we're going to be talking about being a generous people. Because the upside down kingdom, the way that it works is Jesus would say, hey, you give and you receive. You give to receive. Last week we began with a a word uh, in the scripture of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. And this is what it says. And this is going to kind of be one of those guiding verses through this series. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right, but its end is the way to death. So many times I find that people live their lives that way, way apart from God. It seems right. I've thought this through, and I think I'm going to a positive direction in life, and it's not necessarily negative. It's not necessarily taking something away. I'm going the way I want to go, not necessarily the way God wants me to go, but it's okay. It seems right. But in the end... It leads to issues and problems and turmoil and even death in our life. And many times, God's way seems upside down. It seems opposite, like it's in opposition to the ways of the world, which brings us to our main thought for the, for the upside down kingdom today. And it's this, you're far happier giving than getting. You're far happier giving than getting. Another way you could say this is that you get even more when you give. Now, I know when it comes to, to thinking about this, you're like, well, wait, wait a minute here. You may be sitting here thinking, you know what? I like getting. <laughs> I do. There, there, there's something in me that says that I want to get. I mean, come on, be honest here. We're, we're Americans, right? We get until we can't get no more. And then we go buy a storage unit and put our stuff there. I mean, It's one of those things, talk about the upside down way, talk about the backward and the opposite of the world, but Jesus knew what he was saying when he said, hey, giving is better than receiving. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and if you uh, didn't bring your Bible this morning, just grab that one right there in front of you, turn it to page 930, you'll be right where we need to be today, Acts chapter 20. And of course, you can always follow along in our app where all the sermon notes and scriptures and everything will be right there for you this morning. But Acts chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at verse 35. Now let me give you a little context of what's happening in this chapter. Paul has been going around on missionary journeys. He's been planting churches everywhere, and he comes to this town called Ephesus. And uh, he sets up a church there. He establishes elders there, uh, men men of the Spirit who, who know the Word of God, who are trusting in, in God. 
God and uh, he is saying farewell to them and he's just shared in the verses prior to the one we're going to look at this morning, he's told them that he's going away and that he's probably never going to see them again. And so he shared the mission of God, the heart of God, the spirit, he's told them what they need to, need to do to lead and it gets down toward the end of this talk that he's giving them and he's talking about how they're supposed to help people and then we get to verse 35 this morning, this is what it says. As he's talking to these, these elders in Ephesus, he says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then it went on in the next couple of verses there, and it talks about them weeping because they realized this is the last time they would see the Apostle Paul alive. And it was a sad time for them, and it was bittersweet because of all that he had taught them. And he left them toward the end with this idea that it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, we are reflecting, as Christians, the character of God the Father and of His Son, the Savior Jesus Christ, when we are a generous and giving people. Our sinful nature, our natural response in the flesh is to be getters and to not be givers. And we are tempted and we are lured away by so many things in life. I, I thought of, of three of them. One of them is passion. What do we really desire in our hearts? The Bible tells us that sometimes our hearts, above anything else, are deceptive and we go our own ways and we, we pursue our passions, what we desire. We also pursue a position position, a place of status in the world. So we've got a passion, what we've desired. We've got a position of a place of status, but then we also pursue possessions, material wealth in this world. And when that is what marks your life, this passion for what I want, what I desire, this position, this place of status, these possessions, this material wealth, this turns into several things. It turns into selfishness. It turns into hoarding. It can sometimes turn to possessiveness. And turn on to worrying about yourself and not about others and holding tight to our stuff. And you think about, well, how can we counteract these things that tempt us so much to be selfish? How do you counteract passion, a desire for what you want? I believe you do that with integrity. How do you do it with a position, a place of status? You counteract that with humility. Well, what about, what about possessions, material wealth? How do you counteract that? You counteract that with generosity. Passion with integrity. Position with humility. And possessions with generosity. For the rest of our time this morning, I just want to share, when you make a decision to be a generous and to be a giving person, I want to share with you this morning some of the benefits of that. Some of the benefits that are right here from Scripture. This idea that God is going to take care of us, that God is going to bless us, that He's the ultimate one that is in charge of our lives. And so every time that you make a decision to be generous or to be giving, it brings benefits. So let's begin there this morning with the first one. One of the first benefits I think that you can receive uh, is that it gives you an opportunity to demonstrate your faith. It demonstrates true faith. When you are a giving and a generous person, it demonstrates true faith in your life. And I, I'm here to tell you today, I think we need more exercises in true faith. This area of generosity is a very tangible way that we can demonstrate that we trust God for 
everything. It's easy to say that. It's something completely different to trust it and to live it out in our lives. I think that if I was a non-Christian, I was looking at Christians today that would say something like that, I would see many Christians as hypocrites. They would be like walking contradictions to me. That out of one side of their mouth, they would say that they're a person that trusts God and they trust God to provide eternal life and that somehow when you die, God is going to somehow get you to heaven to eternal life with Him. But that same God, that same Lord, you do not trust Him to actually provide for your daily needs. That if you gave something away, you would miss it so, and so you would be a hoarder, you would be a selfish person, you'd be a person that's all about materialism, all about status and position, all about worldly gain, and you wouldn't be about the kingdom of God. And to me, I'm thinking if I were an outsider, I would look at that and I'd say, that is a hypocrite. That is someone who is not actually walking out what they say they believe. It's a contradiction. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we do not see. You see, faith is trusting that God is who he says he is. That God can do all that he has promised to do in Scripture. And if you say, well, I'm a person of faith and I have faith in that, then you have to trust that God will provide. And you take action on that by sharing your resources with others. You see, it's a demonstration of the genuine, true, authentic faith that you already have in God. And, think about this, it sends a message to the one that you're giving to. That when you are generous towards someone, they walk away with a feeling about you and your God. It sends a message to the one that you're giving to that you have true faith in God. That you actually believe that he will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus just the scripture beckons you and so when we become generous people and we become a people that give it demonstrates true faith in our life just one of the benefits another benefit of being a generous and giving person is that it's the cure for materialism it's the cure for materialism when you hold your possessions and you hold your money loosely it's a cure for all materialism. Remember what, what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24 in the Sermon on the Mount. He reminded us, he said, hey, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then to give an example of this, what does Jesus choose? He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. It's going to be a struggle in your soul about what you're really devoted to. It's a cure for materialism. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17-19 through 19 says this. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to be prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, that they wouldn't be hoping in what they have. And what does it say next there? It says, But on God... Hoping in God, who richly provides, not poorly provides, he actually richly provides us with everything to enjoy. If you enjoy something in your life, that comes from God. And then it goes on to say, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. That would be heaven. 
so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You see, God doesn't want us to be owned by our stuff, and He doesn't want the love of our stuff or the possessiveness of our stuff hinder the gospel or to be something that, that, that is in competition with God in your life. So I want you to understand this morning that you becoming a giving person, you becoming a generous person is the true cure for materialism because then you will actually be combating exactly what is competing for God's attention in your heart. And so the first thing that that we have here is that it demonstrates your true faith, a, a great benefit. Another benefit is the cure for materialism. The next one is that it brings God's blessings. That when you become a giving and a generous person, it brings God's blessings. Now, I'll be honest with you this morning. I scratched this from the sermon twice this week. And the reason I did not want to preach this point is because it, it seems like it's a struggle and, and it's, for us. And it seems like that we do this in a very selfish way. That we can be very pragmatic Christians and say, hey, what's in it for me? I think it's something that we fight in the church so much today is that it's all about me. It's a, it's a human, man-centered theology that we have in life. And we come to church and we say, hey, God, what can you do for me? Can you heal me? Can you provide for me? Can you give me this? Can you give me that? It's almost like God is seen as some genie in a bottle or Santa Claus. And, and, and that we come to God and we'll be close to God and we'll cheer God and we, we might even lift a hand, praise his name a little bit. As long as we have God you know, working for us, he works for me. And this man-centered theology about being blessed by God all of the time has crept its way even into some churches where we come to church and we say, hey, God, what's in it for me? When really, if we had a God-centered theology and we had a mindset that it's all about him, we would come to church and say, God, you have done it all. You have paid it all through Jesus Christ. What can I do for you? It's not about what's in it for me anymore. It's about what can I possibly do to serve and to love you after you've done everything everything for me and that's why I hesitate to say that hey when you become a generous person a giving person it brings God's blessings but the fact is that's what the scripture says so I'll preach it the fact is that when you become a giving and generous person you will receive blessings from the Lord it's just a fact it's all over the Bible I could have put 20 verses on this point but I'm not I'm going to give you just a handful here first one is Proverbs 22 9 One that's a spare one. You probably never heard it before. I hadn't heard it before, but it says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. That bountiful eye means that they are looking for ways to be generous to other people. The person who has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. That person that shares their bread with the poor, that person that has a bountiful eye and is looking, how can I help others, will be blessed. The next verse, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. I give you a little bit of background here. Deuteronomy 15 is talking about how you, uh, the verses before verse 10, is talking about how you forgive debt. Okay, it was talking specifically about indentured servants or, or bond servants. And they were bonded because they owed a debt to someone. And it was saying that so many years have passed and now we're going to release them from their debts. And here in verse 10, what it's talking about is we want you to not just release them from their debt because they have nothing, because they've been just serving you and everything that they've worked for is just yours, but that when you release them from their debt and you say, hey, you don't owe me anymore, you can go on, that you would actually send them with something, that you would actually provide them something, that you would actually give them a gift. So listen to what it says, Deuteronomy 15.10. You shall give to him freely. This person that owed you money, 
but you just forgave their indebtedness, you shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. You see, when you're generous and you're a giving person, the Lord's going to bless you in all of your work and in all that you undertake. Because you're not going to hold a grudge, but you're going to give freely, it says there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, New Testament, uh, verses 6-11 through says this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. People act like that's, wow, that's so deep. You know, if you put more grass seed in the bare spot in your yard, you're probably going to produce more grass. That's what it's saying. If you put more out, it's probably going to bring about more production. So farmers get this. They said, oh yeah, if I plant, plant more of this, then I'll probably yield more of this. And it, it just makes sense. It says, each one of you must give as he has decided in his Heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this section of Scripture is talking specifically about offerings that are brought to the Lord. But there's a greater principle here about just being generous and being a giving person as well, so don't miss that. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, you're going to have everything you need, in all things and everything that you need, at all times, when it says at all the times, you may abound in every good work. In other words, you can be focused on doing the good work of the Lord because He is giving you sufficiency for all things at all times. He's saying, I'm going to provide to you. And then look what it says next. It says, as it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower... Where did the seed come from before you sow it? It came from God. He provides seed to the sower and bread for food. He will supply and even multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in what way? In every way. To be generous in every way, on every occasion, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When people see that, they're actually going to give thanks. And glory to God because of what you have done through being a generous and giving person. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it talks about giving to the Lord your tithes and your offerings. And it says there to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's talking about bringing 10% the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse at that time would have been the storehouse of the temple. And here it's talking about an offering to God's church. And it says there that you can test him in this and see. Listen to what it says. It says, test me in this and see if I will not pour out so much blessing on you that you won't even be able to contain it. That's what God says. That if you're just faithful with just 10%, I mean, I could ask for 15 or 20. I could go 25. 75% means you're, you're keeping three-fourths, three times what God's getting. No, he just says 10, just one-tenth. If you bring that to me, test me in this and see if I will not pour out so much blessing on you, you won't even be able to contain it. So I'm going to be honest with you this morning and say that when you become a giving and a generous person, it brings God's blessings. And so what do we have so far? We have that it demonstrates true faith, the great benefit of being a giving and generous person. It's the cure for materialism in your life if you feel like you're struggling with that. 
become a giving and a generous person. It brings God's blessing. God says he's going to provide. God says he's going to bless those people uh, that give and that are generous. And the last one, and certainly not least, in fact, this is saving the best for last, in my opinion. The last thing, the last benefit of being a giving and generous person is that it draws me closer to God by making me more like Jesus. It draws me closer to God by making me more like Jesus. And if that was your New Year's resolution this year, is I'm going to draw closer to God, I'm going to draw closer to Jesus, well, you're about 14 weeks into this year. How's that working for you? What have you changed? What have you done to draw closer to God? Because not only is it a faith builder, true, genuine, authentic faith that we talked about first, but it also reveals what we're really all about in our life. I think it reveals our true character. You know, one of the things that's really hard as a pastor is to do uh, funerals for people you don't know. And I hate it when you have to do a funeral for someone you don't know that, that the feedback you get from the family is that person was very, very selfish. Hardest funeral to do. What makes a great funeral? Think about that. You've been to great funerals in your life. What, what is it about? It's about someone and they give the legacy of what they gave. And it wasn't necessarily they gave stuff, they gave time, they gave, they gave moments to people, they taught people, they took people under their wing, they were caring, they were compassionate, they were all of these things. And so they gave and they gave and they gave and they were very loving, usually love and giving go hand in hand. And so this very loving person, very easy to do that funeral, very hard to do the one where they were selfish. And you know what's happening with the person that was selfish and hoarded a bunch of possessions. Two things happen. First of all, now your family's got the stress of going through all of your junk, okay? I mean, one time I did one for a lady who had 10 storage units to go through. 10. Like, what is in those? We don't know. They haven't been opened for years. And you'd say, oh, what a blessing. Well, then she left some resources for the family, and there's some scripture that talks about leaving resources to the family, to the next generation, so that, that would be a good thing. Well, what's the second thing that happens? They have to go through all of your junk. What's the second thing that happens? Is they fight over it. Why? Because of your example of materialism. What are the brothers and sisters and siblings going to do? They're going to fight. They're going to fight over all of it and how much money. And You, you see, it, it all goes back to this fact that we are called to be a generous people because God is generous. And if you want to draw closer to Him and you want to be more like Jesus, then you have to develop this in your life. John 3.16. One of most famous verses quoted. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? It says, what does it say? What does it say? It says, for God so loved the world that He did what? What did He do? He loved us so much He did what? He gave us rules. No, He, he, no, he gave. God loved so much that he gave, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave. Now here's the fact this morning. You can't truly love anyone without giving to them. You, can truly, you can't truly love anyone without giving to them. Now, you can give without loving but you can't love without giving. Because the essence of love is that you would be generous and giving to that other person. Now, if you think about this for just a little while, it really makes sense. When you deeply love and care about another person, you always show it through generosity and maybe even sacrifice. When you love another person, you give time to them. 
You give energy to them. You, you have compassion on them. You give care to them in their time of need. You spend your resources on them. And you find out that when you love someone, you give and you give and you give and you give. And when you do that, you are precisely mimicking what God does in a relationship with you. As He loves you so much, as His child, He says, I will give, I will give, I will give, I will give. He gave you life. He gave you breath. The Scripture says that He's given everything you need to enjoy life in this world. Every good thing and every true joy that you experience in life comes from Him. And ultimately, He gave His Son as a sacrifice. You see, God is a giver. And when you become a generous person and a giver, you not only draw closer to God because you are at that point experiencing the heart of God, but you start looking a lot more like His Son Jesus, who did what? Who gave up His life as a ransom for many. It's our scripture from last week. He gave. God is a giving God. And so it draws you closer to God and makes you more like Jesus. I want to end our time this morning with this. Uh, it's from Luke chapter 10. If you're not familiar with this, it's a passage called the Good Samaritan. And many of you will be like, oh yeah, I know the Good Samaritan. I heard that in Sunday school or we've studied that at some point, talked about it. I want you to to listen to it this morning. I want you to feel how much the Samaritan gave in this passage. This is where it starts. It says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, talking about Jesus. And he said to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself and wanting to do the bare minimum, <laughs> just want to do what I have to do to get eternal life, he said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied to him this story. There was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that same road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, another religious type, when he came to that place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, kind of an enemy of the Jews, kind of a half-bred Jew. The Jews really didn't like Samaritans. So kind of their enemy, their, their arch enemy. The, the Samaritan came by as he journeyed, and the Samaritan came to where he was. He had to give of his time, he had to give off his schedule a little bit there. And then he saw him, and he had compassion on him gave him compassion but it didn't stop there in verse 34 it says he went to him and he bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine and then he set him on his own animal probably a donkey and so he got off of his donkey put the Samaritan on his donkey and he brought him to an inn and he took 
care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, that was money back then, and he gave them to the innkeeper saying this, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I return. And Jesus says then, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell to the robbers? And the lawyer answered him, well, the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The Samaritan gave his time, got off his schedule, gave compassion. He actually went to him. He bound up his wounds. He got his hands dirty. He gave it says pouring on oil and wine. That was to, to seal his wounds and to help stop the progression of infection in this man's life. Those were not cheap objects back then. And then, not only that, but he, he puts him on his own animal and then brings him to an inn to take care of him. And then, on top of that, he funds the guy staying in the inn until he's healed. And he says, if he spends more money than what I'm leaving with you, I'll cover his bill when I get back. He gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave. And you get to the end, and what does Jesus say? You go and do likewise. Why? Because you're going to look a lot more like Jesus and be a lot closer to God when you're giving. You see, Jesus knew what he was talking about. You're far happier giving than getting in your life. I think it's time that we open our hearts to generosity and to giving. To be open-handed with our possessions and to see the needs in the community and to meet them with God's love. And to allow God to use everything we are and everything that we have for his glory. Understand, we have a challenge before us this morning. We are called to be giving and generous people. And just like the Samaritan, Jesus would beckon to us. Go and do likewise.